Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. And welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And today we are going to be discussing the Paul McGann uh, Big Finish Audio Story Storm Warning. But before we get to that, I want to remind everybody that we're from the website GeekShowEntertainment.com where we like geeky stuff and occasionally we talk about geeky stuff like Doctor Who on podcasts like this one. Geek Show Entertainment is a podcast network that has new episodes released every week for shows that include The Doctor's Companion as well as Movie Night at Geek Show, Have You Met Ted, A Couple of Geeks, and Super Geeks. And you can get all of those um, by streaming them on the website or subscribing to the shows on iTunes. Also, you can go to the website and join our community by commenting on episodes, articles, and audio blogs that we regularly post on the site. And if you've listened to any of our shows and you like what you hear, or even if you don't, help us out by leaving an iTunes review because iTunes reviews are the best way for people to find our shows and decide if they might be worth listening to. You can also let us know how we're doing with comments, concerns, or suggestions by emailing the show at tdc at geekshow.us. All right, what do you have for uh, background and significance? Uh, okay, well, background and significance. Uh, Storm Warning is the uh, first Paul McGann story released under this Big Finish audio play. Uh, Aegis, Big Finish is a production company out of the UK. It's a it's like a small audio, audio production company, and they do Doctor Who audio plays. They also are about to start doing stuff like Blake 7, and they've done stuff for Sapphire and Steel, like old school, like British, like, like um, um, uh, what's the phrase? Um, genre shows. So they come in and they do new stories. Uh, and and Storm Warning is the first that they did that brings in Paul McGann as the Doctor. Um, and they give him a new companion whose name is Charlie Pollard. That's short for Charlotte Pollard. Um, and it's written uh, by this guy named Alan Barnes, who I don't think he was at the time, but he's currently the script editor for. Uh, the the main range of um, audio plays, I think probably also for the fourth Doctor, uh, but he's a great ideas man, um, and he kind of introduces the character of Charlie here. He also writes her out of the eighth Doctor's life in a story eventually called The Girl Who Never Was. Um, yeah, The Girl Who Never Was, and it's also um, and so so he's like one of those big writers who I kind of really enjoy. Uh, it's directed by Gary Russell, who I must admit I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, I think he kind of gets Doctor Who wrong, if if you ask me. His view of Doctor Who is not my view of Doctor Who. Uh, but he is the producer of the big Finnish main range. He's one of those um, those names that you hear through the 90s who revitalized Doctor Who, who kept Doctor Who alive in fan circles. Him, Nick Briggs, Paul Cornell, um, the, the, all those people. Like He's the he's one of the big ones. Um, so he directs it, and he kind of ushers in this this era of Paul McGann stories. And we're talking about it because I really think this is one of those stories that people really would love, and um, it, they're close to me. I really love the Eighth Doctor, and he only seems to get better. And it really gives him a good shake at something that I, at, at the Doctor in a way that he was never given a good shake on the TV show. Um, so I don't think there's a lot to talk about. Alan will have some stuff to say, I'm sure. Uh, but it's, and that's where, that's what it is. It's the 16th release that they did, um, after they were doing it for like a year and a half at that point. So they came in and started doing the eighth doctor and they're still doing him now, uh, where he's going to be companioning up with Mary Shelley coming up soon, which is very exciting. Um, so, uh, that's the background and significance for a storm warning and it's kind of cool. All right. This is a reminder that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com. And this month at InStockTrades.com, you can purchase our book of the month, Why the Last Man, Volume 4, by Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerra. This book is available for only $18.59 or 38% off the suggested retail price of $29.99. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping. So thanks to InStockTrades.com. 
All right, so uh, before we start talking about uh, Storm Warning, I do want to apologize to Alan Kistler, who uh, we originally recorded this episode with, uh, but unfortunately the program that I was using to record the interview, uh, I don't know, it decided that it wasn't going to work. It was recording the whole time, and then at the end of the interview, it decided that it wasn't going to export the MP3 and instead freeze or just pretend it didn't record anything or something. I don't know. Stupid Sounds like program. my high school girlfriends, really. <laughs> so anyway, it uh, it messed up and we lost the interview. And so he's not going to be a part of this because he's a busy dude and has a lot on his plate. Um, so we were lucky to have him for the hour that we did. And... Uh, just Rather, know that it was the best episode you're never going to hear. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, we'll um, try so, to replicate some of it, but uh, we won't do the justice Alan Kistler would have done. But right. We'll so try. We'll try. That we'll is try. unfortunate. Um, but, uh, you know, as they say, the show must go on, and it will. And we're talking about Storm Warning, which is Paul McGann's first story through Big Finish Audio. Um, and I, I just want to talk about how similar Storm Warning is to Rose as a great, not only jumping on point for Doctor Who, but it's like, it's a great first story for a Doctor, um, Mm -hmm. because I don't count the TV movie, because he's not really the Doctor until the very, 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 very end. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, and it's not only that, but it's it's a great bridge uh, between classic Who and modern Who. So if you're if you love modern who and you want to go back and watch some classic stuff, but you're afraid that the, uh, the, the, the change might be a little too much for you. Listen to a few, uh, Paul McGann audio, big finish audios, and it'll get you sort of in that mindset for classic who I think. Mm-hmm. It, it's definitely structured in a way that is reminiscent of the classic show. Like every, every story is four episodes. Uh, everyone tries to be about a little two hours long or less, which is, you know, your average classic story. So it's paced differently. It does a lot of world building, which the classic stuff does. It's very big on the big sci-fi ideas that, you know, some of modern who like it has the ideas, but it doesn't quite have the, um, message or whatever um so you're absolutely right and it it is shocking to me especially because that's not just a mcgann thing that's an uh, a big finish thing uh but that's something that i would rather talk about a little bit later um but you're totally right and it is it is a great first story um it's an introduction to new companion charlotte pollard uh also known as charlie uh who is great uh played by india fisher and she is like, right off the bat, she has this thing where she just clicks with Paul McGann uh, in a big, bad way. And you kind of really get their relationship right off. And it's, oh, it's so magical to listen to them, uh, especially in these early stories, you know? Yeah, definitely in the early stuff. Uh, later on, she kind of gets on my nerves. Um, yeah, yeah. Just because she yeah. she – because it's an audio show, like – you know, you can't see anything, so there's a lot of dialogue that you're just like, would people really say that? And um, because of that, because you can't see her face and the emotion that she could exude through her facial expressions, there's a section of her run as a companion where she repeats how much she loves the Doctor a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot. Um, yeah. To the point where it really just sounds like she's whining about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's irritating, to say the least. Uh, the phrase, but I love you, comes up a little too much. Yeah, um, but I love you. But yeah. I love you. Yeah. But, but I that... love you, doctor. <laughs> See how annoying that is? It's annoying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I agree. It's one of the, it's not, uh, it's not very good or strong. Especially, like, towards the middle of her run, it's, it, it gets really problematic. Like, all the stuff that happens later on in the Divergent Universe uh, after Zagreus, even including Zagreus, which is a little problematic. Uh, actually, very problematic. Um, uh, all that stuff later turns into really, really, really awful, not good Charlie stuff. It doesn't help that they pick up another companion uh, named Karis, but that's a different discussion. But I think that you really get her here, uh, and it's and it's that sort of like aesthetic that really kind of resonates with me, and and I was just transported back to 
Charlie's early days, and it, was, it gave me that war- this warm feeling inside because I know Charlie's ending. I know you don't. Um, then again, she has two endings. Um, uh, how that works, I'm not going to explain. Um, but it, it's nice to see her again and, and the bright-eyed promise that she has. And, you know, the story, especially towards the ending, and we're, we're just going to spoil it because, you know, if you're listening to this... They can't really do step by step. It's an audio, blah blah blah. You might as well just go listen to the step by step in the audio. Um, at the end of this, the doctor saves her life, uh, despite knowing that he probably shouldn't because she's on this airship called the one R one hundred one, and she should die, but she doesn't uh, because the doctor cho- uh, saves her life through a vortisor, which we'll talk about too. Um, but that becomes like Charlie's big defining thing. Like that's something that happens in a lot of Charlie's stories, like Chimes of Midnight and um, uh, later ones, including what happens when she leaves Palm again eventually. Uh, so it's just it's so interesting to see it beginning because her character does change so much over the course of her run. Uh, and and it's it's really interesting to me. Um, so, 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 yeah. Uh, I think we should talk about Palm again a little bit. Um, because he's really good. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> and he has, he has the, I mean, despite everything, cause I, you know, I, I would really like to see him get another shot on screen as the doctor. Definitely. But despite all that, uh, this guy, the, the dude's got a voice for audio. That's for sure. Um, oh, definitely. And he, he knows how to use his voice in such a way that. Like, it just has such range, such vocal range that he can use it and express all the emotion that you're not seeing just in his performance alone, just mm-hmm. using his voice. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, a, it's a quality that many actors don't have, and mm-hmm. uh, he has it in spades. And, and so, like, at the end of the day, you kind of are left thinking, well, if any of these guys had to get the short shaft and be stuck with audio adventures, I'm kind of glad it's this one. <laughs> And you're absolutely right. And that's what's cool about this. Like, there's even... The beginning of this is... And actually, most of the first part is a lot of uh, the Doctor kind of narrating his journey and talking to the TARDIS. And and it is... It doesn't really work for me exactly because, I mean, I don't like it when characters narrate their actions. It feels forced and stiffed always. Uh, but he does it so well that you don't even question it. It's... it's it, it, he just has that control and he finds a lyricism in the words that he's saying that you know he has it's such a good rhythm that it just it kind of sings and no other doctors do that like every other doctor has such a specific uh portrayal that they were able to develop on tv and then just translate to audio uh paul mcgann is almost forced to breathe his doctor to life in audio and and god it's almost it's almost interesting to it almost be interesting to see if any of the other doctors would have been stuck with this and to see what they would have done with it because i don't think anyone would have been able to do it so well as mcgann um because a lot of someone even like troughton is so much manic energy in his physicality that you know, Paul McGann commands the room simply by the nature of his voice, and it's yep, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. Um, and this also, is this yeah. is a great first story. Like the story is just kind of all over the place because, and in a good way. You know, each each part, it just they're, they're, like it's a four part story, and it just there covers so much material, mm-hmm. so much material because. You know, at first you're you're in 1930. Well, you're in 1930 the whole time, but you're literally in 1930 in the world of 1930, and you're on an airship, the R101, and so you're 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 you know dealing with this one type of story, and then it turns into like political intrigue, and then it turns into UFOs, and you meet this this you know this uh, uh, alien species and the uncreator and all of that, and it just it's it's all over the place, and mm-hmm. I kind of like that a lot. Like, there's just so much. This is a meaty story. It it really is, and it's one of those things where it's like it, it go. You're right. It goes in so many different directions. Like when they're on the, the the UFO, like just an episode previously, they were hunting down a dinosaur-like flying creature 
uh, like a pterodactyl, like a flying pterodactyl or something. I don't know. They don't really give a, a good visual representation of it because it's so weird. They just kind of say, imagine it for yourselves, uh, of this thing called a Vortazor, which is this this basically time dinosaur that lives in the uh, space-time vortex, which alone, giant idea for a whole story. And that's like one of the subplots of this story. And it's so, so good. Um, and it's it's fascinating to watch some like the writer Alan Barnes juggle all these different topics and discussions and stuff um, because none of it ever really feels forced. It feels very organic in the way that it all of them grow out of each other and stuff. You know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's phenomenal. It's really yeah. phenomenal. And and the stuff even later with the uncreators and the engineers and the and the society that was basically ripped in half between heart and head. Or heart and brain. Um, it's so fascinating. It's such a fascinating idea, especially because there are the people who there are the uncreators, and I forget if they're the heart or the brain. Um, I think they're the heart, um, and they want to destroy everything that the engineers create. And there is a lawgiver who um, is just there to uh, keep both sides in check, kind of like a balancing act between the two of them and it's and that alone is such a great idea but even that's only present for like an episode and a half out of this whole two-hour story yeah so we're only dealing with it for like 45 minutes which sounds like a long time but really kind of doesn't feel like it because that doesn't even show up until almost halfway through part three um yeah which is genius but it's been set up so well because of the mysterious and uh, prime engineer or whatever his name is um uh, being with his air tube and his shroud and and being so uh shrouded in mystery through the whole first part of the story that when you get there you're just like oh this is where the story's been going and then you realize towards the end it's like oh no this was just another side plot that they're doing but it doesn't feel cheap because it feels like a little vignette within this larger story of the crash of the r101 um that's really good that's really really strong and i really like alan barnes for doing something like that it's it's really 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 powerful um definitely Definitely. And, you know, and the all of these early stories, and I think we decided that I, I think the next one that we're going to end up talking about is Seasons of Fear, right. um, which is my favorite of the stories that I've heard so far. Um, totally. I get that. Yeah. Seasons of Fear. Ooh, seasons of Fear. <laughs> it's um, really epic. It's really, really epic. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's fantastic. And, like, we'll, we'll be talking about that next. Um, but, you know, all, a lot of these early episodes are, are great and just – fun romps you know mm-hmm. and and that's what i i really like and they use there's and a lot of them like use the uh they use the uh the audio format um in such creative ways uh that that really impressed me like uh what's the uh what's the time loop one called uh chimes of midnight yeah chimes of midnight i mean that's that's a great story. Uh, it's and, a brilliant story. It's one of the best Doctor Who stories I think I've ever heard. Yeah, it's it's fantastic, and it uses the audio, uh, you know, the audio format perfectly, mm-hmm. um, and in such a special, unique way. And not and that's you know that doesn't happen all the time. You know, you have stories like Zagreus, which I still <laughs> don't know what happened. Um, I don't I don't either. It's okay. And it was six hours or whatever it was. Uh, four hours, but it felt like eight. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> you're not wrong. You are not wrong. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you know, it's it's just it's 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 hit and miss with big finish, but when they hit, they hit hard. Definitely. Um, and and Storm Morning is definitely one of those. Uh, mm-hmm. Storm Morning is a great jumping off point, and it's it's a fun romp. It's not really much of a thinker, but it's it, but that's okay. Like there's just so much to it. It's so meaty that that's a mm-hmm. good, still a good thing. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that dials into the whole classic who thing like you know not all of classic who was a thinker like even something like pyramids of mars which is genius uh it's not really a thinking story it's just a fun adventure and yeah. i think that big finish is really good because they focus on just telling big grand stories that are full of great ideas and great characterization and great adventure and and a good spirit and a good heart that you know you don't you almost don't even need to be thinking and it's fine like there are certainly thinky stories um uh natural history of fear comes to mind which is also a um quote-unquote uh eighth doctor story um and terra firma is also very thinky but 
and so for that matter is Chimes of Midnight, but at the same time you can enjoy them on a purely surface level, which is something that I feel uh, something like New Who almost doesn't capture sometimes. I mean, Stephen Moffat does it really well, because uh, he's really good at capturing surface and depth. Um, but, you know, something like the pirate episode is just pure surface with no substance. Uh, I know, because I just rewatched it. Um, I'm sorry. And it's, yeah, I, I am too. Um, <laughs> and, and, it, and, it, and it's, and it's an unfortunate, but I think that Big Finish gets even better. And, like, listening to this, because I've, I've been kind of towards the end of Big Finish for quite a while now, uh, listening to the stuff that happened, like, this, this story was recorded ten years ago. Uh, probably longer because it came out in January of 2001, which means that it was probably recorded about 11 years ago. Um, it's amazing to see how far they've come, but to see how good they were then and how they only keep getting better. Um, and it's 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 so fun to me. And it, and you're right, it is a great, great jumping on point, especially if you're uh, curious into that sort of thing. I mean, I didn't mention it with Alan, but uh, the person who won um, our... our iTunes review contest back a couple months ago, uh, I got her this and Stones of Venice, um, which is also really good. And, you know, this is the sort of thing that this will get you into Big Finish. It's not their best by any stretch of the imagination, I don't think. Uh, There's certainly, certainly better stories. But they do such a good job early on that it does have a way of keeping you in. And for the longest time, this was my Doctor Who fix, was was listening to these um, so much so that I blew through like 130 in the span of nine months or something. Um, Which is ludicrous. I know, believe me, I was very punch drunk by the end. Uh, <laughs> but but it's, and like, I, w- I will say that there are a lot of clunkers in there. Like, I'd say that about a th- maybe a third are stuff that I don't think I'll ever listen to again. But some of the stuff in this, like Chimes of Midnight, um, there's another one that they did that I, I'm telling you right now, even though I'm mentioning it, please don't listen to it. Uh, you'll know when you're ready to listen to it. It's uh, called uh, Death in the Family, which is one of probably, it's in my top ten favorite Doctor Who stories that's ever been made. Um, it's it, Stuff like that, they did one called Legend of the Cybermen, which I don't want to talk about uh, because we're not ready to talk about it yet. Um just stuff like that. They just do such fun stories and stories that they used to be really obsessed with um, continuity. Uh, really like, oh, you can't have this character with this character because uh, they don't match. But eventually they just said, you know what? We're out of continuity uh, and, you know, it's t- a time travel show so we can make anything work. So we're just going to pair random people together. And they did. Like, they did a they did a great, like, three-story run with uh, the Sixth Doctor paired with Jamie. Uh, which was so much fun. Um, just big, exciting, and for no reason other than they were just like, man, this sounds cool, and we like Fraser Hines. Um, and, it, you know, when you're, when, you're do- when you're just playing with that level and you're just saying, let's just make a good story, you're in a good place because continuity taking front seat to story is always a bad thing. Uh, I'm looking at you, Gary Russell. Um, but uh, <laughs> Zagreus, man. Ooh, Zagreus. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, just and when you when you put that much continuity in for no reason, it, it doesn't serve anything. But Big Finish is at this point now where they they've created such a rich universe of characters and and people that you know it's good. And you know if you don't like Paul McGann uh, because you've seen the movie, I'd say listen to this because he will surprise you. Especially when I tell you that this is nowhere near his best. Uh, nowhere near. Like, Seasons of Fear is better than this. Chimes of Midnight is better than this. For McGann alone, Stones of Venice, uh, Neverland, um, you remember Neverland? Uh, all of his stuff with Lucy Miller, who he gets as a companion after Charlie leaves. Um, just really, really great stuff. And it's, you know, I'm a big proponent of Big Finish because, I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot. I'm a big proponent of Big Finish because I think that um, I mean, I I had a choice when I was looking in, to get into ancillary Doctor Who things. I could have gone into the novels, or I could have gotten into Big Finish, and I chose Big Finish because they showcase actors, um, and so much of the Doctor and who I and what I watch the show for is to see this interpretation of the Doctor that people like Peter Davis and Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy, Paul McGann do, and I think that Big Finish is such a great showcase for them. Like it single-handedly reversed public 
opinion of Colin Baker. Everyone who listens to the Colin Baker audio plays loves them uh, and loves Colin Baker. And I'm no exception to that rule because I just, I think he's so great. Um, and I just, I really want people to listen to these. Um, even if you don't do this one, try Seasons of Fear because I think you'd really like that. Um, especially if you listen to some of our stories and like them. It's written by Paul Cornell if you want incentive. Um, Paul Cornell, who wrote uh, Father's Day, uh, Human Nature, and Family of Blood. Yeah, famous, famous Paul Cornell. Um, and I mentioned to him, I was like, I was like, oh, you made such and such really cool. And he was like, well, they were always cool. And I was like, you're a good guy, Paul Cornell. Um, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, um, that was just my badge of honor thing. But like, you know, Paul Cornell comes in and writes them. Robert Shearman, like, this is where I really learned to love Robert Shearman. He did uh, Dalek in uh, New Who. Um, uh, the the Dalek in season one of uh, uh, New Who with Eccleston. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he came in and he did something like Chimes of Midnight, which I know you've heard. Uh, Sherzo, which is brilliant, just a f- an aural feast of uh, for your ears. Like you you heard Sherzo, right? It's yeah, it's pretty. You can't do that story in anything but audio. It's pretty f- ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and then he did some great um, uh, stories like Jubilee, which was the inspiration for Dalek, um, and Holy Terror, which included a penguin companion named Frobisher. Uh, just really great. And uh, Alan Barnes is great. It introduced me to Joe Lidster, who did some really, really phenomenal stories. And this is where I really look to find new Doctor Who talent in terms of writing. Because these are the people who really cut their teeth on writing good stories and, and telling them really well. Like, Nick Briggs is currently running the line, and he is doing a phenomenal job. Uh, just across-the-board greatness. And and you wouldn't think so, because he's just like, oh, he's the guy who does the Dalek voices. But not really. He's really talented and really, really good at what he's doing. So uh, I encourage everyone to check them out. And that's, you know, that's my thing. And I'm going to mention it every time we talk about Big Finish, because... If you're not listening to Big Finish, you're missing out. I mean, Tom Baker's coming back. If you like Tom Baker and you haven't heard, Tom Baker's coming back to beat the Doctor. He's going to have some adventures with Leela, and those are coming in January. So hop on board the Big Finish train. It's never too late. Yeah, come definitely. on. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm loving it. I mean, I can't. I, uh, I, I listen to them between podcasts, like when I don't have podcasts to listen to, mm-hmm. um, and. <laughs> Starting very soon, at least once a month, I'm going to have uh, a to and from four hour trip to make every month. Hmm. Uh, so I'll be listening to Big Finish on those trips. That's for sure. Yeah. And they're great ways to spend the time because they just kind of they make the they make time fly. Like I listen to them at work, and I just I just get enraptured because they're just like listening to audiobooks. Uh, yeah. But really, really, really well done, fun Doctor Who audiobooks, which makes them even cooler. Yeah. Um, and not only that, but I know I'm talking about Big Finish again, but Big Finish also went away, and it started doing stuff with companions who are still living. Um, they do these companion chronicles, which are audiobooks writ- like, written by these writers and just uh, per- performed by surviving companions for doctors who don't live it, who aren't alive anymore. Like, Joe Grant does, does these, um... Uh, Liz Shaw's had a couple. The Brigadiers had a couple. Uh, Ian comes in and does them. Steven uh, has done a bunch. Do- uh, not Dodo. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, uh, <laughs> Vicky's done is a couple. Dodo alive? <laughs> I maybe I don't even know. Um, I think she is actually. I think she is, but uh, I don't know what happened. Um, actually, I do know. Uh, no one complained that she left in the War Machines. Um, so, <laughs> but like they they. Big Finish is all about classic Who right now. Like I, because of Big Finish, I really like. I found myself just completely obsessed with classic Who because they're so dialed into that oeuvre or whatever that word is. Um, and it's it's just it's so much fun and it just feels really good and really exciting. And I always love listening to them. So that's enough Big Finish talk for me. Um, all right. Uh, well, and yeah. I and I think I think we've talked enough about Storm Warning too. It's it's a great story. Check it out. Check out Big Finish. Get hooked because yeah, it's... you'll you'll like it. Also, <laughs> Big Finish, but also Storm Warning is super cheap, right? Yeah, it's like eight bucks. Yeah, so. which is which considering that it's like two hours long is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, they go they go on sale all the time. Like a couple months back, I think in June, Storm Warning was on sale for like five dollars. Uh, which yeah. is 
phenomenal. Like they did the entire first fifty stories were all on sale for like five dollars each, um, which is amazing. Um, so so check them out. They go on sale all the time. And if you're interested, like Storm Warning's a good one. If you want a good Colin Baker, do um, oh I don't know the Holy Terror, but know that the Holy Terror is really really freaky, really really dark. Um, Sylvester McCoy. I don't know. I'd do something like Fearmonger, Davison. Uh, it's hard because Davison doesn't have that many great stories. I'd say Creatures of Beauty probably. Creatures of Beauty is really good. Um, no, yeah, McCoy- I haven't listened to any of the classic Doctor stuff, so you're gonna have to. I think I want to take a break after Charlie, after I'm yeah. done with Charlie, and and listen to some of the other Doctors for a while. Oh man, I cannot wait for you to meet Evelyn. I yeah. cannot wait. I'm I'm so in love with Evelyn. Actually, life. you know what? I think after Charlie, I think I want to build to Death in the Family. Oh God, that's going to take you a while. I'm sure it will, but I want to. So right, you have right. to make me a cheat sheet for that at some point because I, I, oh, I will want to get there. I will because Death in the Family. In order to listen to Death in the Family, you have to listen to every uh, Ace McCoy's Ace McCoy story, and if not every Ace McCoy story, every Ace Hex McCoy story, um, and then you have to listen to every Evelyn story in order for that to happen. And that's a lot. It's a ton every, of stuff. every single one for like absolutely every single one. Uh, everyone to that point. I mean, pretty, pretty much. Not all of them, uh, but it literally, it's the most epic Doctor Who because it takes place over the course of, I don't know how long, but it, okay. it takes place over the course of a long time and it's so wrapped in a bunch of different things and it's wrapped in big finish continuity. It's the biggest hurrah big finish I think has ever had. Um, but for certain, most every Evelyn story up till that point, most every uh, certainly just about every hex story that's happened, every just about every ace story. It's a lot, but it's okay. worth it. All right. It's well, that's. I think that's the next one I'm going to do, and then after that, I'll go back to Paul again and do Lisa, Lucy, Lucy, yeah, Lucy. I love Lucy Miller so much. Yeah. So yeah. So, so that's much. that's my plan with Big Finish. Yeah, and All you right. can do whatever you want because. You know, you could listen to every Doctor in order. You can listen to them not in order. You can just listen to them in the order they released. doesn't really matter. It really doesn't. It's so fluid. Before we move on, though, we want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by DCBService.com. DCBS, the site that lets you order all of your monthly comic book statues, action figures, basically anything you can get at your local comic book shop, you can get at DCBService.com. You just place your orders three months in advance with monthly discount specials up to 75% off and regular discounts of 40% off. Plus, if you pre-order your collected editions, you can save 50% off those. Ship as often as you like with orders as large or small as you like, and you only pay five ninety five dollars uh, in flat rate shipping. So thanks to DCBService.com. Uh, we're talking Torchwood talk now, um, and uh, this week's episode was called Immortal Sins, and this was, again, not featuring Bill Pullman, but uh, I didn't miss him this week. No. no. This, is, this was a great episode. Yeah, this yeah. is really good. I Jack-centric was, flashbacky episode. You'd think we yeah. were talking about Lost. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, Except there's no reverse mullet this time. Yeah. Oh, man, it's so good. It's this so was good. great. This was great. I mean, last week we talked a lot about um, how that was wheel spinny. This was wheel spinny, but in a way that, like, instead when, you, when you're forced to spin your wheels, you focus on a character... Well, Jane Espenson knows how to focus on a character. Um, yeah, she does. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> she does. <laughs> this was but so good. This was really good. Especially because, like, all of this was just, like, they only jumped back to normal life because, um, or to modern time because they had to. But, like, I didn't even need them to do that at all. Although it did give some really great character moments for Gwen and stuff that was really, really touching and, and interesting. Uh, but wow! Thank God for Jack. Thank God for Jack. I've been missing him. Yep, I've really been missing him because he yep. hasn't been around at all this season. He's kind of been in the background. Now yeah. he's well, he's back. Yeah, and, uh, I I kind of had a feeling because he lost his his mortality or immortality. I guess um, I had a feeling that it, th- this whole thing revolved around him, and I was sort of waiting for that revelation to happen mm-hmm. um i guess because otherwise like what's the point of it being torchwood if it mm-hmm. isn't related to jack somehow 
Uh, so I was waiting for that to happen, and uh, I think we're finally getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the reveal of Deep Space Nine chick at the end. That was... Oh, yeah. I was <laughs> like, whoa! <laughs> Where's your nose her. ridges? <laughs> I know! <laughs> I really love her. She's yeah. really good. Yeah. Uh, Major Karen Arise, man. She's... Nana Visitor, she's back. Um, I really hope she's not just here for, like, that cameo. I hope that yeah. she's, like, some big force in the next couple stories, which would be really awesome. Yeah. Uh, that said... Can't say I didn't see the final reveal coming. I mean, uh, well, it's one of those things, you know. It's like they could have taken this episode and sparsed these flashbacks throughout the series, like throughout, mm-hmm. like since episode one. You, they could have done that, but you would have seen it coming because you would have been like, "Well, obviously, it's going to be that dude. That's yeah. behind it." Okay, mm-hmm. so they really have two options. Either they play their cards really early on, or they just dump all their cards at the table at once. Mm-hmm. That's really your only two options with this sort of thing. Either that, or a third option, you say uh, it's it's that character, and then everybody's just like, "Well, who the hell is that?" And then you go <laughs> back and show them. But like, yeah. so like either way, like any way you look at it, like your audience isn't going to be fulfilled by that mystery. Right. So. I think that they chose the right of the three ways to do it, mm-hmm. I think. Especially because we got, like, this story wasn't even about, like, it was just, like, Jack traveling and kind of not remembering, but us getting the story of Jack and, what's his name, Rodrigo or something? Uh, Angelo? Angelo, Angelo, that's right. Angelo, getting the story of Jack and Angelo, um, which was, I don't know, that was the right way to do it. Like, giving yeah. us the story of them over the course of a long thing. Um was it was the right decision? Uh, that said, wow, Angelo is a dick. Wow, <laughs> what? A, <laughs> what? Isn't that the most? Wasn't that the most horrifying thing? Oh like, my god! Can you just imagine just coming back to life just to be killed again, over and over and over? Mm-hmm. Well, they uh. keep, they did it before in Torchwood. I mean, they did it at the end of season two, where Jack got buried alive for a thousand years. But I mean, at the at the same time, like. I love that. that that he just comes in Angela just comes in murders him and then when Jack comes back they just go and eviscerate him and they just keep killing him like that's the difference is that he's murdered over and over and over again right, right. And he keeps dying yeah um, so you're so you're right about that but pff, that was grisly and in a way that like this this story has been relatively tame for the past like half a season like we had some really grisly stuff early on like what with the um the uh, severed head at the Ugh. beginning of episode... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, we haven't had any death... Like, Jack hasn't died in Torchwood since, um... At, at all this season. And then, all of a sudden, they slap us in the face with Jack getting shot in the head and then being viciously murdered over and over and over again, which was totally gruesome. Um... Uh, just... That was... That was rough and then, to watch. And then Angelo expects him to... To let him, like, go with him again. After all that. I'm just like... When he's just like, okay, let's go. I saved you. And it's like, you put him in this crap to begin with. First of all, you killed him at least once. And yeah. then you had other people kill him. And you, While watched, you watched. And you didn't stop them. You didn't even try to stop them. You just kind of looked dejected and like disappointed in yourself. What a, what a jerk. Ugh. <laughs> God. Oh, man. But I just, I like how this episode moved the story forward um, more than the other ones have. Like, even last week didn't move the story forward as much as this one did, even with all the Ernie Hudson exposition dubbage that they did. Like, this was all, like, you know, there was the shot of the people with um, Jack, Jack's blood, and and um, and that sort of thing. Like, that was so interesting and so visual and so... I don't know, it was just really clever how they did it. It was just... This was my favorite episode of this season, I think. Yeah, Pro- mine too. Not... I don't know if it was the best. I think it was the best. But even if it wasn't the best, this is still my favorite. Um, yep, I agree. Because it was just really, really, really strong. Yeah. Um, also, I think we saw some man penis in this. I mean, I don't... I know we're doing a kid's is show. There, is, there, is there any other kind of penis than man penis? I don't penis? know. I'm don't just know. curious. Look, I'm just saying. I'm just saying we saw some man penis. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Uh, um, well, it is on stars, which, so which is interesting. It's also interesting because, like, this is the most naked we've ever seen John John Barrowman. Um, I, I think. I mean, he was a little naked in uh, Children of Earth when they were dumping concrete on him, but this is a little bit different. I think. Yeah. 
That was a full-on butt shot. Yeah, was this not... Did, did that not happen in his earlier sex scene? I thought it did. Oh, uh, it's all there. Okay. It's all the same episode, I mean... No, I no, just no, 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 his earlier in the season sex scene, like his random... Oh, I don't think there was an obligatory butt shot. It was very... What's the word? Um... Suggestive, suggestive, oh, but um, okay. not sinister. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but it was. I mean, this was like full on. Like, let's have some man sex. Um, which was fun. Um, <laughs> it was a lot of men, and as you said, there was an obligatory Doctor Who reference. Yes, there was. Um, and it was not a bad one. I didn't think. No, like, it was great. It was. It was straight up. Like they weren't. Hint, they weren't dancing around what they were doing at all. <laughs> but it's but it was it was fine because it made sense in the context of what was happening. Like I liked mm-hmm. that he was just like, you know what? I knew this guy named the doctor, and he had companions. It seemed nice. You're gonna be my <laughs> companion. Like I was just like, yeah. <laughs> Which is oh, that was so great, and it also speaks volumes to how much the doctors affected Jack as a person. Which is great and just. Good, yeah. good, strong character stuff. And it is a bummer that they kind of don't reference... I mean, I don't want them to reference Doctor Who all the time, because, you know, this is a different show. Um, I mean, that's kind of obvious. Because I know a lot of people have been complaining about how this show doesn't reference Doctor Who, and I'm like, if I wanted to reference Doctor Who, I'd go watch Doctor Who. Uh, but um, <laughs> I think it's really interesting that, you know, it, it was a great character moment to see Jack sort of inherent the role of the doctor on earth in the middle of the 1930s which uh if you want to do a spin-off jack running around the 1930s just messing shit up would be awesome um, <laughs> I, mean, I would really love that uh but, but yeah, yeah i this... i would love like a super flashbacky season of torchwood mm-hmm. i agree i would maybe like that. a like a torchwood story that takes place over the course of a thousand years yes <laughs> Russell D. Davies, you can call me. Um, yes. Yeah, I know. That also, would be awesome. Also, you know what I would love is for uh, them to make references to, like, classic doctors, but, like, Jack doesn't recognize him because he doesn't know that doctor, so... Like, <laughs> I saw I, this weird I, bloke in a cape. Yeah, weird. exactly. <laughs> I think that would be funny. Like, I don't know. Because he that spent be all that time looking for the doctor, but the doctor was on Earth constantly. Yeah, he just, for years and years and years. And yeah, years. but he he just didn't know that that was the doctor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I just think that's all, that would be funny. It would be awesome. You know, yeah, it's just awesome. like it's just like we talked about um, before, like that that flashback to New Year's Eve, nineteen ninety nine, in in Torchwood, and like he's like working for Torchwood or whatever, and I'm just like, you're looking for the doctor. He's in San Francisco. You just gotta go. <laughs> Right now. He's over there. Right now. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? You could be also, starring in audio adventures right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I would love a Paul McGann, Jack Hartness team up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, yeah. Oh, this was great. This was this was the sort of stuff that Torchwood does really well. And it's, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a bummer that I don't like... Um, uh, Esther and Rex as much as I like Jack, but I mean it's Jack. I mean he's been so missing from this story, but it's nice to know that he's coming back and will be back for pretty much the rest of the show. Because I mean they've basically come out and said Jack is kind of responsible for what's going on. So yep. we're gonna get a lot of Jack coming up, which is pretty excellent. Um, yep, and really, really, really good. Uh, also, I wanted to point. I also want to point out the probably actually for me. The best scene in this whole thing was um, the scene where Gwen and Jack were standing on the hillside waiting for the car to roll up, and they just started talking. Like, God, I've missed these two so much. Just dealing with each other because they've been so ensconced in the mystery of the story, which I do enjoy, but, oh, have I missed them so much. So... That should happen. This was more. a great episode. This was really good. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Thoroughly. I like Jack. I really like Jack. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just—it was just perfect and great discussions of like, like religion, like incorporating that aspect of him and Jack being very rational, but also careless. Like I really liked seeing how Jack in the past was so flippantly 
unaware of how things were back then and, you know, need needlessly careless. Like just saying saying stuff like, I'm from the future, yo, and well, let's just let's just do this and not taking in uh, uh, uh I forgot his name already. Um, Angelo. Angelo's feelings into account. Like just not he's just like it's just sex. It's like it's not just sex, dude. This guy has no concept of like, you know, homosexual relations back then. It's just it's so interesting to me, like watching like it's such a good, strong take on his character that is not what you expect. Like you expect Jack to be, you know, kinda down to earth and very in touch with people, but Jack being immortal just led him to be this kind of jackass. Um, which is interesting. It only uh, ended when he met up with Gwen again. Um, it's just, it's just, it's just stuff like that. That's really interesting, and it's a good, a good strong take from Jane Aspinson on this. Um, really, really good stuff, and I can't wait for next week. Even though we only have three episodes left. Sad. Oh, I know. I know. We have two weeks of overlap. Two weeks or three weeks? Three, three weeks. Three weeks next week. So three weeks. Episodes eight, nine, have, and ten. We have three weeks of Torchwood and Doctor Who, and then three weeks of just Doctor Who, and then nothing, I guess, until Sherlock. If that, because I've heard Sherlock is twenty twelve. Ugh. They're still filming Sherlock. It's going to be a couple months. Yeah. Because Stephen Moffat's on set as of right now, I think. Arg. Gur arg. Yeah, that. That's our sign-off now. No, it's not. We don't need a catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Scott, I don't. I don't want to break. I want to break to you, but uh, the quest is the quest. <laughs> oh God! All right. Well, next week, let's kill Hitler. Let's kill Hitler, and then five more weeks of Doctor Who after that. Yeah. New Who. Um, what's and then coming, what's coming up after that? Tell us. Tell us. Coming up after that, uh, by my projections, assuming Doctor Who isn't delayed at all, um, we should be ending uh, the season finale on like October 1st or something. Uh, so for the rest of October, I actually set aside something kind of a little bit special because uh, I'm really interested to see your thoughts on it. Uh, through the rest of October, we're going to spend four weeks talking about the four stories in Trial of a Time Lord, uh, starting from the top and going through the end. So it's the, the second... Colin Baker season. We're going to just do it. We're going to spend a month and we're going to go through each. Uh, so we're going to do the first four, the second four, the third four, and then the last two. That's what we're going to do through the rest of October. Um, hopefully you guys enjoy it. So it's a story I really enjoy. I think it's really strong. It's got some, there are some issues, but uh, it's really interesting. And if you like background and significance, you're really going to want to tune in because it's, eh, it's kind of interesting. There's a yeah, lot of really, I've, I've read all your background and significance for those, like on classical Gallifrey, and it is mm-hmm. fascinating stuff. Oh, it's 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 the best. Like you just watch people just getting angry and throwing things. Like it's amazing. It's as decent as it is, and it's to, also to the point where like you could literally make like a good freaking TV movie about that era, oh, that yeah. season of Doctor Who. You could easily. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's I, that I'm... dramatic. Mm-hmm. Like. When you when you have people writing an episode in three days, it's pretty impressive. Um, mm-hmm. So after that, we're gonna I'm gonna just round out the last four stories that we're gonna be discussing. Uh, we're gonna next discuss um, in so for November we're gonna discuss the Gunfighters, which is the first Doctor story, which I actually just watched like yesterday. Um, and uh, guys, the Gunfighters kind of awesome, kind of awesome. One of my favorite Hartnell stories, uh, easily. Sweet so, Scott, deal. you're going to like that. Um, uh, the next Doctor, which is the Tenant Cyberman Christmas special, uh, we're going to do Delta and the Bannerman, and then we're going to do some more Eccleston, we're going to do The Long Game, which is the one with Simon Pegg. Um, so that's what's coming up uh, for Classical Ga- uh, not Classical Gallifrey, I forgot. Oh, that's embarrassing. Uh, for the Doctor's Companion, on the other side of New Who, uh, we'll also announce it when we get to more... When we get towards the end of New Who, we'll, we'll start reminding you guys what's coming up. Again, Trial of a Time Lord, if you're interested, really, really, really good stuff. Really good stuff. Uh, so that's that's what's going on. All right, uh, Movie Night at Geek Show. Uh, you know, we just talked about it, but we did uh, we did uh, Lethal Weapon last week. We're doing Children of Earth this week. Children uh, of Men. Children of Men. Children, children, what did I say? Children of Earth? Children that's of Earth, yeah. Okay, well. <laughs> uh, 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 children of Men. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that is what we're doing. Um, Children of Men. Alfonso Cuaron's Children of Men. Not uh, Russell T. Davies' Children of Earth. Uh, <laughs> although the same level of depressing. Same level of depressing. I'd say one is a little more depressing than the other. 
Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Um, so, uh, yeah, audio blogs. We did Rise of the Planet of the Apes. We should have Fright Night up now, so go check that out and check out the movie if you haven't. And uh, then uh, you can find me at Twitter, twitter.com slash Scott Corelli, and then twitter.com slash Scott Commentary, where uh, I do Sunday Trek every week with, uh, with Matt and Cassandra. And uh, amongst other, like, you know, sometimes I live tweet things, although I don't do it very often as much as I ever did. But um, where can people find you on the Internet? There, uh, you can now? find me Twitter.com slash Gungadin. You can also find me at Twitter.com slash GD Commentary, which is not at all like Scott Commentary. Um, I think it's exactly like it. <laughs> and I'm going to sue you. <laughs> I copyrighted my Twitter address. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, CBS bought the TV rights. I'm going to write a sitcom based on Sky commentary, <laughs> and then it's going to fail. Um, <laughs> no, not this time. <laughs> this not one has this a good time. premise. Yeah, um, this one has letter Nimoy in it. That <laughs> <laughs> actually succeeds. Yet another notch on the belt for Leonard Nimoy over Shatner. Um, so you can find me at GD Commentary uh, all this week. I don't know when this is going up, but if you follow me around, uh, I'm uh, live tweeting every day a different story. Uh, one of the next, the next story in the sequence of uh, this past season of Doctor Who. Uh, so uh, if you catch this before Friday, look on Friday because I'm going to be reviewing uh, Good Man Goes to War. And I'm going to be talking about it, and I might love it this time. I don't know. You never know. Crazy things have ha- crazier things have happened on. Uh, these live tweets. So check it out. Check out all the cool stuff that's going on over there. Also, uh, Classical Gallifrey, where I reviewed Android Invasion or something. I don't know. It's up there. Anyways, <laughs> I will. <laughs> that is that is what I have done. All right, and uh, yeah. Until next week, uh, let's kill Hitler. Woo, woo. All right, guys. Bye, bye, guys. Bye.